Welcome to The Loop with Stan Guthrie. As an author and communicator, Stan offers a critical and often humorous look at the day's issues, all from a distinctly Christian perspective. From his home studio in Chicagoland, where it snows far too often for his tastes, Stan cheerfully takes on all comers in a culture that is losing its mind without losing his. And now, here is Stan Guthrie. I'm a big fan of the Jewish people and I'm a big fan of Jewish evangelism and some people might uh, say that's contradictory but I try to hold them in tension and one of my favorite public intellectuals is Dennis Prager who is a self-proclaimed expert in Judaism and the Hebrew scriptures He's written something called The Rational Bible. He's been discussing the book of Exodus with Jordan Peterson, the famous Canadian psychologist. He's said a couple of things on the radio and in podcasts that really caught my attention. And I would like to push back a little bit. Now, I'm not going to tell Dennis Prager, who's one of the smartest guys around, what to think about Judaism, but uh, several of the things that he said impinged on my understanding of Christianity, and I think he's misunderstood us at a couple of points. So I'd like to weigh in on some of the topics that he talked about, namely unconditional love and adultery. We'll start with this statement about unconditional love that he said while talking with Jordan Peterson about the book of Exodus. If you obey me faithfully and keep my covenant, you will be my treasured possession. So one of the most uh, controversial things I have said uh, in my career is that I don't believe in unconditional love. This is one of my biblical mm -hmm, bases. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you keep my covenant, you are my treasured people. If you don't, you're not. Right. That's conditional. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of the things we could investigate on that front is whether or not love in some in any real sense, can be unconditional, right? Because if, you're, if the love is unconditional, it doesn't have an element of encouragement towards an ideal. There's nothing that's discriminating and, and judgmental in the way that's elevating because everything you do is instantly, well, it's all loved. And it, it seems to me that there's a tension there between what you might describe as the archetype of feminine love and the archetype of masculine love. And feminine love is love for an infant. It's all encompassing. And masculine love, you could say, is, well, it's got that conditional element whose design is to further, is to further growth in some sense. Now, Mr. Prager's understanding of love, conditional or unconditional, is interesting from my perspective. I was surprised when I heard him say that he really didn't believe in unconditional love because it seems to be giving a free pass to bad behavior, basically. Now... Is that really true? I don't think so. We Christians like to say, love the sinner but hate the sin. We don't think that an unconditional love of a person in any way encourages them to keep sinning. Rather, the unconditional love helps us to keep loving even when someone's unlovable. And isn't that what God did with us in sending his son 
to die for sinners. You know, he didn't wait for us to be better before sending us the solution for our lostness. He sent Jesus so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And of course, I think that Judaism, and specifically the Old Testament itself, teaches the unconditional love of God for his people. Certainly, Prager is right that God says repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, if you will do these things, I will be your God and you will be my people. And if you don't do these things, I will punish you, I will throw you out of the land, and you will be disciplined. So where do I get my thought that even in the Old Testament, God's love is unconditional? Well, we can certainly look at a Jewish rabbi, a Pharisee named Paul, who said in the book of Romans that Jacob and Esau illustrate this principle. He said, before either one had done anything good or bad, Jacob he loved and Esau he hated or didn't choose. And so God's love wasn't a matter of who did right and who did wrong. He chose them before they had ever done anything good or bad. And certainly we can see in the history of Israel Yes, God did throw the Jewish people out of the land for their idolatry and holding on to their sins. You know, if you read the prophets, you hear God pleading with them over and over to forsake their sins and cling to him and come to him with a new heart and do the things that he's commanded them to do. And they didn't, and he threw them out. So does that prove Prager's point? Well, not quite. The fact is, Even after he threw them out of the land, he promised in those same prophets that he would bring them back. And there were no conditions, no strings attached to that. It was purely because of his love and for his own glory. He brought the Jewish people back into the land. And as Paul says also in the book of Romans, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God will save his people. And that goes for all of us. None of us deserves his love, but he continues to woo us and to call us and to change our hearts because we can't change our hearts and do right and love him on our own. So I think both Testaments, the New and the Old, or the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament speak about God's unconditional love. And let's just look at it for a minute from a relational perspective. Prager has talked about having conditional love even at the level of his own marriage. Now, I can tell you that, yes, every husband, every wife wants their spouse to be perfect or to be a really good person. But if you hold out your love based on whether they meet your standards or not, you're not going to have much of a marriage at all. The fact is, we all fall short and we all need forgiveness and unconditional love even when we screw up. And think about how unhealthy it is for someone to say, I'll love you, but only if you do this kind of thing for me. Imagine a parent saying that to a child. What kind of security will that child have? I don't doubt that Dennis Prager is a good husband, a good father. Yet the way he says this seems to make it a love that is very conditional. And that's not what I want in my marriage. That's not what I want from my God, because I know without his help, I am a lost sinner and really a a bad person at times with my children, with my wife, and I need that security of unconditional love. 
Another point of contention that I have with Mr. Prager is his idea that while the Old Testament prohibits adultery as the physical act alone, Jesus in the New Testament talks about lust in the heart being the first step in adultery. And Prager is very clear that he doesn't believe in that. Let's hear what he says there. Obviously, Christianity and Judaism are not identical religions. Uh, and, and we have no equivalent that if you look upon another woman with lust, it's as if you have committed adultery with your heart. There's only one way to commit adultery in Judaism, and it's with a different organ. And I'm not being cute. I'm, I'm being very realistic. Looking with lust is not a sin in Judaism. Now, that's pretty funny what he says, but it really is downplaying the obvious connection between lust, which is a thought, and adultery, which is a physical and emotional and spiritual act. That seems like a pretty artificial distinction. And let's face it, no one has ever committed adultery without it first happening in his or her mind. And I find it interesting that Mr. Prager takes this tack because in his Prager University series on the Ten Commandments, he focuses on the fact that while most of the commandments are purely actions and not really thoughts, he points to the Tenth Commandment, do not covet, as being integral to three or four commandments before them, such as do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. Because when we covet something, we're wanting something that doesn't belong to us. If we covet it, it will eventually lead us to wanting to take it, which is something that Prager himself would disapprove of. So his distinction is pretty artificial in my mind. And Jesus' statement that anyone who looks with lust on a woman commits adultery with her, he's saying that that lustful thought will lead to the sin of adultery. And so you are guilty before God, not just for the ultimate act of adultery, the physical act that Prager refers to. You're accountable to God for that very thought. And if you're wise, you're going to nip it in the bud and you're not going to allow that thought to fester and grow and lead you to adultery, which is a great loss. And I'll throw in one more thing that I think Prager, Mr. Prager is missing the point on, if I may, and again, he's a brilliant man and I really respect him, is his idea, if you listen to his videos on the Ten Commandments and other related subjects, that things are moral or immoral based on the harm that they do to, say, family relationships or to society. So he says adultery is one of the greatest sins because of what it does to undermine the family, which in turn undermines society. Now, that's all well and good, and I completely agree with that. But it seems to me that he is missing the fact that every sin is not just a sin against society, against our fellow human beings, but it's a sin against God himself. And we've been created in the image of God. And therefore, when we sin, it's a great affront. It's a great waste. It's a great catastrophe of moral proportions when we do that. And so I would like, if I could speak with Mr. Prager one-on-one, -on -one, to ask him to consider the fact that our minds are involved in the sin. They lead to the sin. 
And ultimately, if we want to be sinless, we need to look to Jesus, who in his Sermon on the Mount, he didn't stop, as Mr. Prager does, at the physical act. He always raised the bar, and that's because no matter how hard we try, our best acts will never enable us to fully fulfill the law as God intended, because he wants not just right actions, but he wants right hearts. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on The Loop with Stan Guthrie.